There wouldn't be Norwich City if there wasn't some adversity, uh, especially in pre-season. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Pinken podcast. It's um, going to be an interesting one this week. We've got plenty to discuss. Uh, two friendlies, of course, an injury to a new signing and an imminent departure of a goalkeeping coach, um, plus much more on top of that. Uh, I'm your host, Connor Southwell, joined by Paddy Davitt. This podcast, as always, comes to you in association with future radio and uh, our sponsors Cavill Healthcare as well. Pad, um an interesting weekend for, for Norwich City. Where should we start? Let's let's start with with uh, with Borja signs. I think that seems like the, the most appropriate place to start. Um kind of reached us, didn't it, before the game at Kings Lynn that there was an injury concern. I think um obviously him not being there was a key part of that we'd heard from David Wagner after Tuesday's draw at Barnet that uh, he would be involved. So it was a little bit of a surprise that he wasn't. Then I think by the time the, the team news did come out, maybe just afterwards, it, it became apparent to us that this was an injury concern. It was then a case of how bad that injury was. And as David Wagner confirmed post-match, pretty bad is the answer. Out until October. Um, is this a curse at this point? I mean, what, what, <laughs> what are we putting this down to? Because it's, it's incredibly unlucky for a player who hasn't really got a track record of any injuries at all. Certainly no long-term ones. He turns up at Norwich City, he has, what, four days of training, and then he ends up with an ankle ligament injury that keeps him out for a few months. Um, devastating blow for Norwich City. It certainly is. And um, 12 months on from the last time he was at Kings Lane for an Norwich friendly, and the news was confirmed after that game that Isaac Hayden, then the, the first Dean Smith signing, actually, from Newcastle, Loney, key figure, was recruited to do a very specific job in the middle of the, or the base of that midfield and you know a player who'd arrived uh, with a, an injury hit campaign at Newcastle who were trained I think fully for the first week of pre-season to draw a parallel with Borja Science not quite to the same extent but no issues at all from that previous injury and then uh, the start of what turned out to be a, a pretty forgettable loan experience for all parties concerned punctuated by injury was never really up to speed and and uh, you know, contributed unfortunately to maybe Dean Smith's demise as well, because it was clear that he'd identified Isaac Hayden and made him his first sign in that summer that he was a key figure. And that's another parallel. I think Borja Science was viewed as a very key figure, is still, because it's worth clarifying that there are parallels with Hayden, but there's also a lot of similar uh, differences. And, and the main one is that he doesn't have a history of injuries, serious injury. He is 22. Um, so he should recover and, and rehab uh, in, in pretty decent nick. And it is David Wagner, Wagner put eight to 10 weeks on it, which would take you into October. My concern then, of course, is that's all well and good in terms of the the recovery from, from the ankle ligament damage. But the problem is the here and the now was going to be his pre-season and, and that base fitness and David Wagner, as he has done continuously since we spoke to him post-Barnet, massively important this part of his season the base fitness the double the triple sessions um and Borja Science isn't going to have that opportunity to do that now and and that isn't great at all because yes he might be available from October onwards but when is he actually going to be firmly up to speed that's not even overlaying first time in England uh, adapting to a new league new culture new teammates so really you, you pull all the strands together it's um it's a horrendous blow for the lad. As David Wagner said, he was pretty distressed. And we had other people close to it who said that that was very much the vibe on Friday, that 
he's arrived with all that excitement that a lot of Norwich fans feel about his signing and the type of player he is, the type of player he could be, the impact he could have on this group and Norwich's season. Um, and that's all had to be part now uh, through no fault of anybody, really. But uh, I mean, you say curse, it's hard to escape that there's some other higher power who's meddling in Norwich's affairs, really, because it, it does feel like a catalogue of injuries. And, and I'm not wishing to cast any aspersions or anything, but I, my mind goes back to Stuart Webber talking about there's areas that they can control as a club, um, as across the football departments. And this is at the end of last season and, and how they can be better. And, and we've heard from him and others that, you know, the sports science side, the fitness side, keeping players healthy, keeping players well, um, keeping players physically robust to deal with the demands, particularly of the championship, the, 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 the relentless nature of the, of the fixture schedule, the, the travel that goes with it as well. They are areas that maybe those marginal games that, that don't come down to how deep your pockets are, that you you maybe can, with, with the right people and the right processes, get an advantage or two over rivals. Well, unfortunately, you know, it's now going to be back. The ball's going to be with Borja Science, at least, firmly in the court of, of Norwich's sports science and, and medical staff. And, and getting him back. And of course, you know, my mind's thinking about last summer, it wasn't just Isaac Hayden, it was Gabby Zara. And this is a kind kind of where the discourse is that, you know, the, these new signings that come with, you know, quite an exciting, optimistic feel around them. And it, and it just feels like with Hayden, like with Zara, like with now science, that um, you, you're basically going to have to just uh, temper your enthusiasm and your optimism and just hope that when, his season gets going again at Norwich have made a reasonable start and he can come and supplement that. But in the here and now, it opens up a whole different debate about do they go back into the market and how heavy they go back into the market? Because I I think the understanding was prior to what happened on Friday at Colney with Science, they were looking to add another wide player and possibly move one or two of that battery of other wide players currently on the books out of the door this summer. Those plans best laid are up in the air now because I think they might, they'll definitely have to do the one and maybe two additions. And does it mean potentially players who are currently in the stable who might have been going out the door on loan or, or maybe even permanence, will they now have to stay in the building? It's really a, a level of disruption and um, unforeseen events that I'm sure Wagner and Weber and the recruitment team really didn't need to have to deal with. But such is, such is life, such is the the life of dealing with footballers who, who can physically, you know, stumble and break down and, and pick up injuries. That's part and parcel of it. David said as much after the game at Lynn to us on Saturday. It is what it is. You have to deal with it. But there's no doubt that, as he said, he said it best, that he was over the moon with the first two weeks of pre-season and the only blemish or the only blot is science's injury. And, uh, you know, and it is quite a shadow it's cast because I think there's no doubt um of those five or six wide options right here, right now in the building who are going to be part of it or at least available. I'm not including Rashid in that because we all expect him to move on. But of the others, I think if you just lined up 10 Norwich fans and said, right, who are your two wide players for Hall City on the opening day of the championship season? I'd say nine or 10 of those 10, say Borja Science, because it looked like he was going to be a very key figure from the outset. That isn't going to be the case. And so David and Stuart have to really think long and hard now about what direction they go in to try and offset what is, any way you cut it, a pretty devastating blow for all concerned. 
Yeah, it, it is. And, and it goes to show, actually, you can you can do all kinds of recruitment. You can look into a player's injury history. You can um, look at data. You can speak to people. You can do all of this. And it can get to fourth or fifth training session that they're involved in on the fifth, fourth or fifth day that they're actually in the building. And there's a, a tackle and a, a funny landing and suddenly they're out for a few months. And certainly from what we heard initially, it didn't didn't look that like that when they kind of assessed it in, in, in the flesh. Um, it didn't look like he was going to be out for that prolonged period of time. It was only a subsequent scan that showed that up. And also I've seen maybe uh, uh, some people willing to collate the kind of workload that, that David Wagner is putting his players through at the moment, those triple sessions that we've heard about, double sessions as well, the the 7.30 a.m. to p.m. days and, and maybe thinking that there's a correlation between those. But this is essentially, this happened as a result of a tackle, didn't it? Um, and and as we say, a funny landing. And I think actually, if you if you go and watch the the club put out a, a, a sort of five minute video or so of training before Kings Lynn, and there's there's one shot actually as they're doing almost like this transitional drill, basically working on uh, attacking and defending transitions. You can actually see him as the camera pans uh, sort of sat just to the left of one of the goalposts with a physio in and around his his ankle area. So I'm guessing that is his right ankle. It is that kind of moment is is captured in <clears throat> in video form and yeah like you say it's 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 a major blow and it probably raises more questions than than answers certainly for those at the moment and pre-season it's interesting because it feels like we end we use the word opportunity quite a lot and, and a couple of those players specifically that that I want to speak about uh some, someone like Shemeswa Poheta who uh I think everyone probably would have presumed was was on was one of those names that, that you mentioned on the list for potential departures this summer, Christos Solis, maybe a, another one, they now have opportunities to really push themselves and say, actually, hang on, no, 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 you don't need to go into the market and get maybe an extra one on top of the one you were getting because we feel we can, we or I can um, fill that that hole. Likewise, maybe someone like Tony Springett who scored at the weekend, although I, I still think he looks very raw for where he is at the moment. Um, so I, I guess it's kind of one door closed, another one opens for those ones, isn't it? And how do Norwich now move forward with this? Because as you say, and I'm, I'm purely maybe mean this in terms of feeling, because there was slowly, cautiously, I don't necessarily want to say optimism, I'm not sure I'd attach that to it, but there was maybe a, a freshness arriving in, in terms of that feeling, given the way that last season ended. Borja Sainz was um, partly responsible for that, fueled that to some extent. It was It's an exciting signing. People look at his, his age, his track record, the clubs that he's been at, the pedigree in terms of his minutes in La Liga, playing for a, a relegated side in Turkey, but those individual numbers being pretty good. I think scoring nine of their 42 goals or whatever it was. It, it does, it's a blow in that regard as well, isn't it? In terms of bringing people with them. It, and, and again, it's not, not something that you can throw at their door, but it, it exists. It kind of, I don't know, it feels like someone's stuck a needle in, into the balloon, I guess, that maybe was inflating slowly. Well, yeah, very slowly, I reckon, um, for me. But, uh, you know, because I, I do package this as what have we had. We've had Barnett and Kingsley in two fairly, no disrespect, but fairly modest non-league opposition and, and very much wrapped around, we've talked about it already on this podcast, double, triple sessions. Uh, and you could see large parts of these two first friendlies that um you know the heavy leggedness of of the players and passages of play that just sort of meandered you know the which is what I put to David at Kings Lynn on Saturday that now as they prepare to fly out on Tuesday for for two really in terms of level of opponent uh, considerable steps up you know Darmstadt newly promoted Christoph Zimmermann's club into the Bundesliga Kaiserslautern a big name in Germany I think we'll start to tilt more towards the football side now 
if we were recording this podcast this time next week and we've been out to Germany and back and those next two games we've we've seen on the footballing side for me, things really starting to emerge now and combinations between certain individuals and the style of play in and out of possession, maybe extending some of the trends we saw in the better parts of the Barnet and Kingsling game. Um, then, then for me, yeah, then you start to think, okay, right, we might be onto something here in terms of when the real business kicks in and being competitive against, you know, hardened championship opponents, but still too early for me in, in this part of the preseason cycle. But, but to go back to science, yeah, science, and we said it, I think um, we might have said it on the pre-match show at the walks on, on Saturday, that science, if you look at the four senior signings that Norwich have done so far this summer, the first three felt that it was the, the, the addressing the mentality issues, you know, Doffy, uh, Barnes, Stacey as well, I guess you throw into that bracket. Um, players who've been there know it, know how to handle adversity. Um, all elements that David clearly felt were lacking in this group or certainly in terms of the, the quantity that he needed. So there your first wave is, right, let's try and address that, get the right characters in. Science felt like the first part of the next phase of what Norwich were trying to do recruitment-wise. And he felt more of a, a player who will tell us a bit more about the type of style of football David really wants to bed in and, and the options he wants in that final third particularly uh, that are going to bring to life what he views his Norwich looks like. I think we saw clearly we saw glimpses of that over the piece when he came in the door, um, particularly in those early weeks uh, in January onwards. But but as we all know, you know what was it? One win in the last eleven, um, just a sad slow trudge into mid-table nothingness last season, and far too many questions by the end of the campaign than, than answers really, which wasn't the case certainly pre-Millwall away that win, which marked the watershed, but sadly in the wrong direction for all concerned. Um, so science was, yeah, okay. I always look look back at Wagner and what he did at Huddersfield and how he went about the task of getting out of the championship and then keeping him in, in the Premier League in that first season, uh, particularly on the ball and, and in possession and really fast, mobile, direct, good in transition, good counter-attacking type players. Um, and science clearly from afar, looking at the type of player he is, the numbers he produced in Turkey last year, he felt like he fitted that template. So that for me is where the disappointment is that a player who you felt could add, a, add, an, add an extra dimension to what David's trying to bring to this group of Norwich players um, is sadly not going to be available for the first three months and that it feels now they need to again step back into that market and look for similar types of player for me because I'm not sure necessarily you talked about spring it, Rowe. Rowe's been good but again, two non-league opponents. I don't think you hang your hat on either of those two. Poeta. Yeah, okay. I accept that, it, that he looks like he's a player you could have in and around the squad, but not for me in the eleven. Not at this stage of preseason. I'd need to see a lot more from him, given you know the, the lack of impact he's had in his Norwich career to date. Arnell, yeah, I think you can rely on him to an extent. Jollis, no, I, I think it's quite telling, even though it was Kings Lynn, that you know of the raft of changes, he's not coming on until you know the, the hour mark, um, when all the other wide players had already come on. I thought that was a fairly telling signal as well. So. I look at the current stable of wide players. Now you're taking science out of the equation and it would concern me if that was the group he had to choose from, from from the start of the season now. So I think they do need to be proactive. They need to go back into the market. And, and if they can, uh, whether it's the loan options or whether it's some more astute scouring of maybe European leagues, uh, they try and find players in that similar bracket uh, to a science um, 
Because if they don't, I, I think it's such a crucial area of a David Wagner team, the full throttle football, to use a label he attaches to his style of football, uh, that they don't have those options, I don't feel, in the building at the minute. Now science is unavailable. Um, and if they don't, it's hard to see how he can really get to a comfortable position in terms of what he wants from his team moving moving forward uh, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that between now and Hull, we, we need to probably see a little bit of inward business in that area of the pitch now. Yeah, de- definitely. And and I think there's a, a telling point there from from what you said, really. And, and and now you take science out of the equation, that group of wingers, really, apart from Poeta, who was obviously, who was obviously injured, Tony Springett, who was out on loan, that is kind of the group that Norwich had last season, really, minus Kieran Dowell, who was the one who had a real impact when David Wagner came in. Hernandez did as well, of course, and we, we spoke about that at the, at the time. But you're probably putting a lot of, uh, a lot where well, you're putting a real hat, aren't you, on, on Hernandez to, to go and perform. And um, that's a lot to, to put on him, I, I, I think. And the one thing about science, and again, we discussed this last week, is he was maybe the first player that was recruited this summer that felt really specific to David Wagner in terms of his style of play a lot. Uh, the ones previous maybe were were to do with intangibles and experience and know-how and, and Jack Stacey, obviously, um, who I think we've both been impressed by. But like you say, against modest um, opposition in pre-season, kind of felt geared more to insulating the squad from an experience perspective and a know-how perspective. And Stacey obviously targeted for when Max Aarons um, departs and I would put a when on that rather than if. So again it, it it's frustrating i guess for for wagner as well because you've got a player someone who they've worked really hard to sign they've sort of jumped through hoops haven't they with the fact that there was a a, a contractual cause that if activated meant they could sign him for free so they did a lot of groundwork into this someone they've been watching for a period of time now not available for a um a real large portion of of the start of the season when as we know already because we've discussed it and others have discussed it with us that start of the season is so crucial and you're going to be missing a piece of the jigsaw that felt so crucial to what he wants to do and how he wants to play. And let's not forget there's pressure on him as well moving into the start of the season, right? Because of the way that last year ended. So it, it just feels again like the odds have, have, have slipped back against them if, if they ever were have been for them. Um, and like you say, it's going to require some work to rebalance that. And, and that area of the pitch where they have plenty of options. I mean, we've listed them. Cholis, Hernandez, Rowe, Springett, Pojeta, uh, Cholis. I think, did I put Cholis in there? Maybe I did twice. But they've got, what, six options already, excluding science. They're also going to have to trim as well as add. Rashidza, we, we've already discussed. I, I don't think he's, he's due back to, to Norwich um, until after the, the Germany camp. But... If of course he gets there, I don't. I don't think many of us are expecting that to be the case. And if he is there, he's not going to be here for for the start of the season. So um, it's a really interesting area of the pitch because, as you put to David after the game as well, it, a lot of his style is is based around those and what they do. We saw that on on Saturday. There was some really clever wing rotations, um, and, and it took a little period of time for Norwich to work out exactly what Kingsland were doing in terms of their defensive shape and their structure. But actually, it was probably the wide areas that held the key to them having a lot of their success. So. It's a really influential area of the pitch that they need to get right, I guess is what I'm saying. And at the moment, they're no further forward than they were at the at the end of last season, which as we uh, were still early July, so plenty of time for them to, to address it, of course. But I think we're looking at that with probably an element of, of concern if it was to persist deeper into July, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's, you, you've pretty much encapsulated it in that one sentence. They're no further forward now through no fault of their own, really. They, th- they thought they were, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure they, they think privately, as, as many do publicly, that they might have 
pulled a pulled a smart one getting the science in the building, particularly on a free transfer, as you say. Um, he he, it's all hypothetical now, but imagine he hits the sea, he hits the ground running, and and it took off um, from August onwards. That would have looked like an unbelievable piece of business. Still may do in time, but sadly there will be a delay to that. Um, but they are they're, they're back where they started, and um, you know I was just thinking as you were talking there. I think they will probably need to do two now because, okay, you know, I take David at his word after the game and that he's drilled home this message, particularly to his wide players. Hey, look, nothing's decided. Um, you put pressure on me. I think is to paraphrase his, his words were, I don't want to be putting pressure on you as wide players, you know, weigh in with goals, weigh in with assists um, and make yourself part of my plans or my part of my frontline plans, shall we say. So, you know, we'll take him at his word and that there is still opportunities for this current group of players already in the building. But, you know, it, it feels like it probably will need one, certainly two. And, and of course, that doesn't necessarily need to be two permanent signings, does it? I mean, you, you know, we saw and it didn't really work out, unfortunately, but Marquinhos, David's first foray as Norwich manager into the, the transfer market back in January was to bring in a very highly regarded uh, Brazilian from Arsenal, no less. And, and it didn't work much as it, hasn't worked for previous Norwich iterations with Marcus Edwards or Patrick Roberts. You could go on, um, Andre Duda, for example. But I, I just think if you're looking at it, this is purely hypothetically, but you're looking at it, you're Weber, you're Wagner, you think, well, okay, well, we were looking to bring maybe a wide player in. Do we now aggressively go down the route of, of bringing one in as a permanent? And then as we get towards the start of the season, Certainly higher level Premier League clubs will be making their minds up on some of their younger players and then you maybe go down and add in whether it was a six-month loan, which would bridge the science being back in the building, or a 12-month, and you bring in a very highly regarded, albeit maybe um, still to be proven, a younger wide player from, from a Premier League club. I mean, I, the reason I'm, I'm sort of thinking along those lines, and I've just seen it, and again, it's hypothetical, but I've seen some reports this morning that... Uh, Manchester United's youngster Ahmed Jallo, who had an excellent season at Sunderland, apparently that United feel he's not quite ready for their first team yet. He will be allowed to go out on loan again. I looked at his numbers. He had 16 goalless uh, contributions in 37 appearances for Sunderland. Got him into the playoffs, didn't he? Or they, sorry, they just fell just short, didn't they? But um, there's a player. Now, if you're Man United, it, it might be, well, we think he's a bit better than mid-table championship. We may be now looking to get him a lower level team in the Premier League for a loan so who knows but I'm just thinking hypothetically if that type of player was available for a loan six or 12 months if you're Norwich you've got to have that type of option on your radar because um, for me uh, an Ahmed Jallo would be an upgrade on anything they've currently got in the building so um, you know, it didn't work with Marquinhos hasn't worked with, in the past with certain other short-term Premier League grade loans but that isn't necessarily to say particularly now with the cards the way they've been dealt but they don't go back down that route. And David, I remember distinctly saying at the end of last season, more than open to exploring the loan route again, even if it didn't actually work with Marquinhos, whatever it takes, I think he, he said to that question um, in terms of loaning, buying, free agents, whatever, young players from the academy, whatever it takes to bring success to Norwich. So, you know, as we sit here, if they do need to bring two in, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if you go loan route for one and, and a permanent for the other. And as I say, if 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 there's a player like Giallo, for example, and that's purely hypothetically. There's no sense that he's one on their radar. But I'm seeing reports this morning uh, that United will willingly loan him out again. If you're Norwich, you've got to be thinking that that type of player is is where you need to be at because um, you know 
unlike Marquinhos, there's a player who's done it in the championship and produced some su- substantially impressive figures as well in terms of goal contribution. So, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure Sunderland and, and a host of other championship clubs would be thinking along the same lines. So, and that, of course, is why to bring it full circle, it was such a clever bit of business that I'm sure science would have had plenty of suitors, but it felt like Norwich got under the radar, got in there quickly, did the hard sell on him and it paid off. And, um, and they're going to have to do that, I think, again and be just as creative to try and solve this issue now that presents itself in wide areas. Yes, and I think we'd, we'd probably still expect uh, Poeta, certainly, Scholes, certainly, um, spring it probably as well likely all to, all to leave the club on loan this this window obviously all a bit up in the air at the moment but that I, I still feel feels like the most um, reasonable expectation probably wouldn't surprise you if one of those stuck around really given the the situation that they're in if they couldn't get the two in that maybe we're we're discussing or if they financially maybe have have limitations that would only allow them to do one um so yeah that's that's a that's a fluid situation i guess it makes pre-season particularly in those areas all the more tasty um the the other sort of bit of news, I guess, around the Kings Ling game before we come on to speak about that. And again, really hard to speak to in any kind of depth. I've done a little bit of analysis on the video verdict, which you can watch on YouTube. We're not going to delve into it in too much detail because for large parts, particularly the first half, it was pretty uncompetitive. I think that's fair to say, but we will touch upon some elements in, in a little while. The, um, the, the, the second point is obviously Ed Wooden, who uh, is is departing Norwich City, set to join Leeds United. Uh, Daniel Farker, of course, has been appointed as as their new manager uh, last late last week, wasn't it? Um, Wooden is is going to be joining up with him. We got wind of this sort of um, prior to the game at Kings Lynn. Then I think David confirmed it afterwards. It became pretty apparent anyway from the nature of. Uh, Wooten's involvement at Kings Lynn and maybe the, the sign-offs that were happening on the pitch and various photographs and stuff. It was easy to piece together. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this, Paddy? Someone who's, who's been at the club since 2015, started in, in, a capacity, in, a, in, a, in an academy capacity, sorry if I get my teeth in, um, before being promoted to, to the first team when Daniel Farker was appointed. Obviously, a really influential figure in, in those two title wins, played a key role in, in, in Angus Gunn um, and, and I guess Tim Krul as well, given where, where he was before he signed for Norwich City in terms of his career. Plenty of young goalkeepers that he's worked with as well. Michael, Mc... I'm not listening, Michael McGovern is a young goalkeeper. There was a bit of punctuation in there. Young goalkeepers and Michael McGovern um, throughout his his time. It's interesting because when, when Daniel Farker left, it was kind of pitched that he was very much a Norwich City employee, not part of Daniel Farker's kind of, um, I guess, trio of, of backroom team that he latterly took to, to, to Gladbach and obviously in his brief spell at Russia and subsequently joined him at Leeds. So, what do you make of Ed Wooten's pending de- departure first and foremost, and then we'll go on to to maybe his replacement in a second? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it could go one or two ways, isn't it? I mean, it, it it's hard without being on the inside of this. So, as you say, it's been a quite a long time. Um, cle- clearly, uh, had a good rapport with from the senior keepers. Everything you hear and read, you know, gun and, and crawl right down to you know quite a growing stable of, of younger t- uh, type keepers now, um, and he was the figurehead for that. So, you know, I, I guess that there will be a, a feeling that uh, he's got big boots to fill. But, but maybe I'm more more the other side, and he has been there quite a while. And, and this maybe does allow a refresh and a different voice. It's the same with coaches and players who become a little bit. Um, not go through emotions, far from it. But but you know, can you become a little bit comfortable? And uh, you know, much as they talk about coaches when you've been working with them for a period of time, you know, it's the same voice, they're saying the same things. 
it's very hard to keep that freshness almost. Um, a new a new man will come in. We we we're pretty sure who it's going to be, and there'll be new ideas and new ways of working, and, and that might you know that might spark something in the current group of keepers. You know whether you're cruel and gun at their end of the spectrum or, or Vincente Reyes has come in now, you know, to have a different pair of eyes, a different perspective. Um, you know, I'm sure there's fundamentals when it comes to goalkeeping coaching that spans whoever the individual is, but, you know, much like you get a range of different styles of football in terms of how you want to play outfield players and, and, and the way that is coached, I'm sure there's, you know, keepers who have specialisms that maybe not quite the mix of skills and Ed Wooten would have had, and that might add something. I'm just obviously, you know, feeling that that's probably, it's not the major blow that, that you know, it would feel if it was, I don't know, uh, you know, your head coach walking out, shall we say, you know, at this stage of the pre-season uh, or, uh, dare one say, a sporting director or whatever. But, uh, but you know, we're not on the inside. We, 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 I, I can't say I can talk with any authority about how important a goalkeeping coach is and, um, and, the, and the, any negative connotations that might come from from him moving on, but you know, as I say, it feels a little bit for me like, um, of course, any coach in any footballing setup has a role and importance. But um, you know, I think from from what we're led to believe that the, the gentleman who's coming in is well known to Wagner um, and, and would have had a good rapport with him anyway. Plus, obviously, the likes of Pellach, um, who he's got from Huddersfield and. Andy Hughes before that, and of course Christoph Bueller, who came with him. Even even John Iger, Weber, and, and Steve Weaver. You know um, the incoming replacement for Wooten. He won't need any um, introductions, I don't think, to, to the staff he's going to be working with. So I think it'll be a fairly seamless transition. And I, I kind of maybe just come at it from a positive perspective, and that it might it might energize again. You know the the cruel, the gun, uh, and the younger keepers as well. But you know. It probably doesn't help, and it probably is a bit of a disruptive element because I'm sure David Wagner had no in, intentions to want to change his goalkeeper's coach at this stage of the preseason cycle. Um, but in terms of the overall impact or detrimental impact to, to Norwich, I, I don't really see it. I mean, I'll bowl that one back to you, Connor. Where do you sit on that, Edward, and moving on and the impact? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with your conclusions. Really, I think, I think you know, it's it's been what. 2015 uh, eight years is it uh, uh, the club I mean I mean that's that's pretty good going for any coaching job in football to to be honest he, he clearly views this to be a fresh opportunity um possibly a, a better chance of getting out of the division maybe depending on on who you ask um I'm sure maybe Daniel Farker feels that but also the opportunity to work with people who he's worked with before which we know in football is is a major sway hence why Norwich are employing a lot of ex Huddersfield people because of who run their football club right so um he won two titles with Daniel Farker, worked very closely with him. I think ingrained himself pretty pretty tightly within his coaching sanctum. And, and, and maybe there are probably family reasons and personal reasons, perhaps why he, he didn't elect to make the move to Russia or to Germany when, when he did, when, when Daniel Farker um, left the football club. But yeah, Paul, Paul Clements, by all account, is, uh, is, is the man coming in or set to come in. He will link up with, with Norwich in Germany, providing all the bits of paperwork and contracts assigned and various bits are done. He uh, was at Huddersfield for a prolonged period of time as well, um, spanning Stuart Weber and David Wagner's time before that, uh, spent periods within Middlesbrough and, uh, and Wolves' academy. Again, very similar journey to Ed Wooten, really. Started as an academy keeper, working his way up to the, to the first team. Uh, I've spoken to people who who know who know him inside the game basically and describe him as a, a really good developer of young goalkeepers which is a positive given where Norwich City are with those they've got a, 
a plethora, haven't they, of young goalkeepers now between the 18s and, and, and 21s level. We, we spoke about this on the way to Kings Lynn. Um, Reyes, Rose, um, Barden, Archie Mayer, who's obviously sealed a, a loan out to, to Gateshead. Reyes, um, a, a few others, uh, Jaden St. Paul. Um, so, so, so there are there are there are countless goalkeepers. Some more that I've missed off that that list uh, off the top of my head. But he, he's got a big stable to work with. But but also someone who knows Palash, as you said, knows Wagner, knows the way these these characters operate, and will know how David Wagner wants to play, how involved he wants his goalkeepers to be. And actually, that may be really positive as Norwich look to. I guess, implement what he wants to do pretty clear. And I think what we're seeing and what we have seen in, in the opening two pre-season friendlies, if anyone is kind of expecting a change in terms of that build-up structure that we've spoken about endlessly on this podcast, where Norwich drop a midfielder in, they create almost a back three, one midfielder comes deeper, and there's a lot of space in the centre center of the pitch. If anyone is expecting that to change, on the evidence of the first two pre-season friendlies, it doesn't look like it's going to. I think what they maybe get better at is the problem solving with the wingers coming a little bit deeper and, and maybe filling those holes or perhaps one of the strikers dropping in a bit more than, than was the case. So having a having a coaching network of people who support that and, and support how you're trying to play football, but also know how to prepare players for it is absolutely crucial. And if, if this is somebody coming in who who knows the way that David Wagner operates, works and, and, and all of those things, that can only be a real positive. He's, he's really highly rated by all accounts. So um, it's, it's an interesting one to, to bring in. And obviously the second coaching change this summer after, as, as you said, Paddy, uh, Narkis Palash came in from Huddersfield as well. Both left the club after Neil Warnock's appointment on a on a more full-term basis. I think that's probably not a reflection on them, but obviously Neil Warnock, somebody who, who likes to bring round staff with him. I think Ian Bennett has subsequently been appointed at, at Huddersfield. So yeah, a really interesting one to, to monitor, whether it will have any kind of tangible impact is is going to be interesting to see and I guess we'll probably only really get that when we speak to the goalkeepers involved um but yeah that's that's an interesting one to to keep an eye on in in terms of their their coaching stable let's um let's speak a little bit about Kings Lynn then pad it was a a 6-1 victory um it was uh I felt certainly first half a completely dominant display probably better than than what we saw at Barnet but again uh, at Barnet they were under stress it was a first pre-season friendly there's a lot of elements as to why that game was was like it was um Kings Lynn probably a completely different set of circumstances is there anything in particular that, that stood out to you like I said I don't think we need to do the full uh dissection as we normally would with a league game but are there, are there any strands that you've taken away from it Ashley Barnes netted a hat trick players impressing name me something that that really caught your eye at the walks on Saturday yeah, I mean that's yeah, they were the obvious ones, weren't they? You know, the Barnes Sergeant Axis, particularly, you could see that moving forward. I mean, Stacey, we touched on it before, you know, he he caught the eye again in terms of his offensive instincts as a fullback. Um, but I think, and I, I put it to David, and funny enough, we we're recording this um Tuesday morning, uh it's, no, it's Monday, isn't it? Yeah. The, the weeks merge into one when it's pre-season, but on Monday morning, and um we put the quotes up actually from David. Uh, to the question about Nunes, and I, and I thought it was very revealing what he said, essentially to paraphrase that, talking of Pelach, that, that the Spanish-speaking introduction of a the coach there has really allowed maybe Nunes to, to understand completely what David Wagner is asking him to do. And and if he can just work on it, and for me, it, well, it was his downfall last season, you know, in those deeper-line midfield areas, is almost not sensing the speed of the game uh, in this country and, and losing the ball, turnovers in dangerous areas, putting his team in trouble, um, lack of a defensive awareness, really, playing in a deeper-lying role. David 
unprompted reference those as almost red flags. And if he can cut those out or limit those in his game, there's so many other, and he went on to list them, elements of his midfield craft that you would think this guy in the championship can be a standout player, certainly in a Norwich team, um, if he can just work on some of the deficiencies in his game that we all saw last season. And it's important that David flags that because both at Lynn and Barnett, he has deployed him in a, almost in a sort of a, a, a sort of tandem six role, you know, with a with a double pivot with a McLean as it was at the weekend. But uh, rather than get carried away with it, you know, it was Kings Lynn and Norwich had so much possession and, and territory in and around the opposition box. And there wasn't a huge amount of pressure on him or, or on the ball that he was able to basically play as a six, but it was more in, in an eight and a 10 area of the field. And you saw his quality. You know, he was involved in, I think, the second goal off the top of my head, the third goal, the fourth goal. Um, and that's what he can do. He can create chances. He can score goals, some wonderful goals. We all know that. But it, in terms of something that we, you know, maybe has flown under the radar a little bit in these first two games, I think Nunes, in the sixth role, or the sixth area of the pitch in the championship, if he can deal with the the more defensive elements of the game, because he will. Inevitably, Norwich will be under pressure. There'll, there'll be teams transitioning and countering on them. And if he can be better in those areas and not cough up the amount of turnovers he was tending to do, then I think he can... He can, we can as David said, I think the, David's phrase was, will dramatically improve his game. And that, that's quite, quite a bullish statement from a head coach, certainly one to go public with. I'm sure it's nothing he hasn't sat down through Pellach maybe and, and communicated that to Marcelino this summer. Um, maybe even back end of last season. But look, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna trust you in that position of the pitch, if you're gonna be the player I think you can be in this league, you need to deal with those areas of, of what's required in that position of the pitch in a David Wagner Norwich City side. So yeah, for me, that was while we can go to the headline elements of the Lynn game or the Barnet game. I, I think where Nunes could be and where he could get to um, really intrigues me. And, um, you know, it was good. It was really good and quite revealing. I thought to hear David talking those terms as well, because that was sort of my sense watching him last season that, yeah, you know, you, you, there's no doubt the talent's there. What a, what a player he can be for Norwich on the ball creatively. But if you're going to play him in a deeper line role, he also needs to add those more responsible elements to his game. And that might not come naturally to him. I think David alluded to that as well at Kings Lynn. But he clearly feels he can do that. He can add, add that to his game. And by doing that, I think you add another dimension to Marcelino Nunes in an Norwich shirt. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's he's a really interesting one, isn't he? It's, it's, it's great, I think, for him that they've brought in, obviously, a Spanish-speaking coach, uh, Vincente Reyes as well. He's, he's someone that's still not fully grasped English yet and been able to grapple with that in the same way that maybe Gabriel Sara has. And, and, and that will come, I'm sure. But I think we all maybe felt that if those elements could come together and if uh, Norwich were able to get something out of him, there was a possibility that he could become a, a really big player in his second season. And everything you said there, I mean, we kind of saw it initially when he came in and he had those really impressive performances, didn't he? There were a few early doors that, that really stood out. Um, Wigan, Holloway, there, there were countless others. Um, and, and just seemed to sort of fatigue towards the end of the, the campaign. So hopefully all of those elements will, will play. And it's going to be interesting to see if Norwich do actually go with him there uh, I mean a few mentions from me Jack Stacey again as, a, as I mentioned certainly from an attacking perspective I think we're seeing him as someone who um, will really cause problems in the championship in terms of his uh, underlapping overlapping uh, crossing from, from all areas really accurate fierce 
um, ranging deliveries, really. There were, there were a lot of low drives, but but also quite whipped, pacey ones. Um, and if you're Ashley Barnes, I'd imagine you're licking your lips at the prospect of uh, of him on the right-hand side. Um, Shane Duffy as well, I thought, was was pretty good and showed some good elements. Scored a hilarious own goal, which I think we both missed at the time because Norwich had literally just scored before that, but I've seen subsequently. And it's a it's an excellently executed um, chip. Go on, Pad. No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking up and at the moment Tim Krull was backpedaling like Superman trying to claw it out of the goal. So I, I did, so uh, having seen the highlights now, um, what I can't quite fathom with that is that Duffy actually takes a look to where Krull is when the ball's in the air. And, and I'm not quite sure why Krull has continued to advance because he can clearly see what Duffy has in his mind. But maybe he just thought he was going to cushion a header and he's gone he's gone a bit heavier on the old uh, bonce. And, uh, and yeah, no, it was a bit of a comical interlude. But... Uh, that looked like the only way Kingsley were going to score, really, but and it had no material impact. But yeah, you know, I mean, David was having a chuckle about that after the game, wasn't he? When asked, but uh, put that in isolation, and David said it. You know, yeah, there was there was lots to like about his influence and impact potentially moving forward. Because of course, everything we're watching now, it's it's all well and good, but it's like how will this map over to Hull City onwards, kind of thing, and. Um, I still have a few concerns, you know, uh, in central defence more broadly with, with the personnel they've got available, but uh, and whether that is probably another area. And of course, there's the Obama Daily factor in the background in, in terms of where his future lies. Um, so I think they might have to go into the market again in that area. But but if Duffy stays fit, I think he's definitely an upgrade on what they had there last season. Yeah, agreed. And there was one moment in particular, uh, Jordan Ponticelli got played in behind in the first half and he did really well to to kind of, it, it got away from him. He did really well to to catch him up, but also brilliantly timed slide tackle to kind of sw- um, scoop the ball away. And I think it went out for a, for a corner, but that was a really positive sign. There was kind of glimpses of his aerial dominance as well. A couple of set pieces at the near post that he he headed away. And I get the sense when he heads something away, it, it goes away. It, it's not one of those where it falls on the edge of the box. It goes to the halfway line. So uh, we had a couple of those. And there was also an interesting routine in the first half where uh, Norwich were attacking a corner and they all bunched towards the back post. And it was designed to let Duffy kind of come away and attack the ball freely. And that, that so it's going to be interesting to see if we see a bit more of that. So some positive signs on, on that front. Obviously, Ashley Barnes, um, goals absolutely and, and took them all really well but there was some positive early signs I felt of a uh, of a relationship between him and Josh Sargent a couple of really nice moments of interplay on the edge of the box and uh, maybe a, an understanding of of each other at various points which we haven't always seen with with um, Norwich City relationships I guess my uh, striking relationships that is and my fear I guess to, to link this maybe back to the wide debate is if Norwich aren't able to get two in one in do we end up with a situation where we start seeing Josh Sargent on the right again until October? It's not real, the left or whatever. It's not really a situation you you want to see. It's interesting that he was wearing the number nine and has been wearing the number nine since he returned from pre-season as well. And I think that's as much a, a sign of intent than, than it is anything else. He, he wants to step into Temi Puki's shoes. Uh, and he did get on the score sheet as well after, again, some good play from from Poeta and, and Barnes. Um John Rowe as well, another one to mention. I spoke to him post game. It's the first game, I was, uh, first time I've spoken to him since he since he broke through. Really upbeat chap. Um, lots of energy. Again, scored Norwich's first goal of preseason, but but also has looked really energetic and really lively. And 
was almost foaming at the mouth talking about how hungry he is this this season to to take his opportunity and and how much he's enjoying working under David Wagner. So that's an interesting one for as much as we talk about the wide debate. If he can join the party, someone who wasn't available for large parts of last year, then maybe that would only force Norwich to dip their toe in the market once rather than twice. All of these elements are obviously worth uh, thinking about in, in terms of that debate as we discussed earlier. Paddy, we're, we're off to Germany. Um, it's going to be a really interesting trip, isn't it? Two games. It starts with uh, Darmstadt on Wednesday, at, uh, their ground, Christoph Simmann reunion. Um, and then Kaiserslautern, which is the one I'm looking forward to, mainly for the uh, for the stadium. I think it's 49,000. Um, that's going to be an incredible trip as well. But also, I mean, yeah, let's deal with the trip first. How much are you, are you looking for? You've obviously done a fair few pre-season tours in, in your time. I, this is the first one that I've, I've been able to get to get out to uh, because of COVID uh, and various uh, different things. Well, come on, let me correct you there. You're, well, well, Scotland, that's yeah, true. Now, to our Scotch listeners, I'm sure they wouldn't want to be referred to part of uh, part of the same country, but there you go. Well, it depends, doesn't it, I guess. Well, let's, let's not get into that's that. That's Connor's own view about the, the UK makeup. <laughs> but uh, in, in terms of like, you know, over, over going over a sea um, and, 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 and abroad uh, and whatnot, um, how much are you looking forward to to this one in, in particular? We've obviously got quite a busy, I think it's basically three countries in three weeks for us, isn't it, in the next few weeks? It is indeed, yeah. Now that will be uh, quite, quite, quite busy, all in association with Cavill Healthcare, um, our proud sponsors. So uh, thanks, thanks for their support for the, for the, yeah, the three-legged European tour for the Pinkham and um, more importantly for Norwich. But uh, yeah, I mean, we I've kind of maybe preempted it at the start of the podcast. I, I, this feels to me now, you've got your two weeks of base fitness in. You've yeah, you've got some minutes into legs on pitches against non-league opposition, but soon to be or technically a Bundesliga club in Darmstadt and the Zimbo connection and then obviously Kaiserslautern, a big, big name, you know, um, as you say, massive support. Um, that they, they will be considerably stiffer tests and we'll learn more as a result. Um, and then moving on, of course, if you, you want to broaden it out, you know, Alkmaar got to the semi-finals in Europe last last season, um, you know, knocked out by West Ham and and even Toulouse, you know, a very good league earned side from France. So um, in Austria, so yeah, I think um, it feels like it starts from here now. Really, in terms of the footballing side, that what we want to see emerge. Um, we've, of course, now unfortunately brought home to us by by the science injury. No more dis- disruptions in terms of key potential key players um, who pick up injuries on on this European swing as it is. And before they get back to Carrow Road for, for, for Olympiacos, isn't it? Yeah, for that game. So, um, yeah, I, I I think, as I said, you know, if we sit down, as we will do um, post-German tour, um, I think we'll have a far better idea of right who's really putting their hands up now, um, who can really be uh, an impactful element on this Norwich City Championship season uh, and where maybe, conversely, it underlines, no, they probably need to do a little bit more business maybe. Um, and who knows, within a week, maybe things will start to move in terms of those potential outs that we expect to to develop, which has then obviously knock-on effects for what Norwich may need to do inward-wise. But, um, yeah, I guess with, with tours generally, you know, with, with obviously COVID and the pandemic and, you know, we didn't get out to, to the, the games, I think, when they played in Marseille. I think they played in Germany, I think, in Dean Smith last summer. So, yeah, it feels like, for me personally, it's been quite a while Um because of, you know, events that we've all had to live through. So, you know, it is good. I think 
David himself said, you know, this is very much this week coming now. It's something that he's pushed for. He, he it felt like, has put these games together. He was a Darmstadt player. They say, he said that the sporting director at Kaiserslautern is his best mate or one of his best mates. So, it, and he said the reason they're going out for it is actually the quality of opposition, that it's very hard to replicate that in England at this stage of pre-season. So this, this week in Germany feels very much David Wagner-led um, and he will certainly want to return back to England in a week or so's time um, with a sense that, yeah, things are now really starting to move and there's a momentum building to what it's all about, of course, which is Hall City um, and the championship kickoff. But, uh, yeah, you and Mr Harvey will be joining joining my good self. And um, don't worry, I'll look after you, Connor, your first time on a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you, do, you feel, do you feel you're going to be a nervous flyer then? I hope not, because if so, we're in for trouble as you're sat next to me, I think. No, I, th- I, think, I'll, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be okay. I mean, the, the thing is, and I said... You, that, you, I said were okay. you, were, you were okay until I started talking about nervous flying and now I've planted the seed, so I apologise Well, do you know, I've, I've, said, I've said to a few of my, my family have asked me that question, and it's a bit like, well, when you're up there, I mean, there's, you're, you're going to come down, aren't you? So it's just kind of, it's out of your control, so there's not much I can do, really, but... Yeah, no, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. I'm looking forward. I mean, German football is. I think for for anyone who likes football, isn't it seen as a culturally a really interesting place to go and watch? I know they're going to be pre-season friendly, so maybe the the atmospheres will be a bit different. But just to experience different stadiums and a different culture and a different um, footballing world is is going to be is going to be fascinating. Also to see how Norwich City get on as and like you say, two really really good tests. Darmstadt who uh, have just been promoted back to the Bundesliga and Kaiserslautern who are a Bundesliga two side. But as as we've discussed already, really big fan base, really big expectations and. Um, going to be two firm tests i uh, we'll, we'll see the home kit this week as as well um there'll be there'll be lots of, um whilst we're whilst we're out there to get our teeth into and um paddy i guess we we should reinforce that point we are, we are going to be there and there's, there's going to be all of the usual coverage with bells on right from 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 germany just talk to us a little bit i'm, I'm basically asking you to to you know it's one of those like in the um what's the film is it wolf of wall street where he says sell me the pen you know i'm basically asking you to do that so sell our listeners what what exactly we're going to be providing them whilst we're out there well connor yeah it comes naturally to me being a salesperson um but <laughs> essentially if you've not already subscribed to the pink and digitally um you know, be it through through the brand websites um, in layman's terms, or obviously the Pink and Plus app, which I'm sure is not a, 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 a surprise to you now. We've been banging on about it for about 16, 17 months now. But um, now's really is the opportunity to to maybe go and get a subscription, go to the app store, go to your, wherever you download your apps on your, your chosen um, mobile platform, download it, free trial, um, and just try it out. No obligation. And... Uh, because I think we're, I think I'm right in saying we're probably the only media, um, from what we're led to believe, who are going to be out there covering all three legs of this European tour. So you know our usual game cycle coverage, uh, albeit slightly less resource um, in terms of headcount uh, at games, but all the key elements will be covered. Um, we'll try and bring a bit of the flavour of the tour away, away from the games as well, but both in Germany and, and Holland and Austria less so. Um, but yeah, really, this this now is the chance, or really the time. I feel. Um, to go and download it if you haven't already done, and uh, for a, for a trial period, just sample what we've we've got, got to offer. And uh, if you like it, maybe you'll stay with us on the journey because uh, obviously, when 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 the real business kicks in, we'll be there as always. Every game, every press conference, home away, doesn't matter. Pink and will get you as close as we can to the action. So uh, you know, this is where it starts now. So come and join us on the journey. 
Good work. We'll, uh, we'll we'll let people listening and watching um, assess your your salesman skills and whether you've you've been very successful. But I think to be fair, if you take out a free trial now, that would cover you uh, for well, it would cover you till uh, the tenth of August as we record today. So that would get you through all of preseason and the first first opening weeks of the season. So it would give you a real flavour of of what we do over there. And I think if you if you did that, I think we're pretty confident that that, that you'll love it. Um, as we do and, and a better user experience as well if, if you do decide to to go onto onto the app um what sort of i mean we we always talk about food on the pod so it'd be remiss of us not to end on on food what what are you going to expose me to because it was it was tapas in scotland wasn't it which uh I, you know I'm a, I'm a tapas convert now i'm not very culturally enriched when it comes to food um what what are you going to expose me to in germany pad well, you, you, yeah, I mean, people are probably thinking, what's he going on about? Went to Scotland and had Spanish cuisine, but it was more kind of, you know, so you, you could you could sort of tick off two boxes. A, going to Scotland on tour and, uh, and B, you know, experiences. Well, I mean, as you keep telling me, Connor, you're a big fan of sort of Indian cuisine and curries and that. So we, we might have to, not. We might have to trick, it, not. trick it up with, with obviously German cuisine. Um, I think is well known that sausages are, are pretty... A, part, a staple part of the German cuisine, um, and so maybe something curry curry related around sausages might be the way to go. Why are you shaking your head for anybody watching? You've got oh, to yeah, embrace. Yeah, yeah. You've got to embrace. You're talking about embracing football cultures. You should really uh, extend that to your cuisine. No, as as you know, I don't. I don't do curry. I don't do curry. So no. I'm, maybe I'll try a regular. You can get like a bratwurst, haven't you? That's that's. There's a curry verse and a bratwurst. If well, I understand that's these. A hot, well. That's basically a hot dog, though, Connor. That's that's a hot well, exactly. dog by a different name. Well, so you're, you're, really... you've, just, you've just offended however many millions of Germans um, uh, and attack Why? their culture. Well, calling a bratwurst a hot dog, I don't know what the difference is. Well, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, think I mean, to be fair, calling a hot dog. Yeah, to be anybody who's tuning in for food-related content from me and you is going to be offended because we're definitely not Michelin-starred uh, purveyors of food. So um, probably best to wrap this element up. Well, we'll, we'll update for anybody who's remotely interested on what you ate in Germany for, for the post-German pod. Yeah, and of course, if you've got any suggestions of any German cuisine, if you're uh, the German Canaries, I know they exist, don't they? If you're if you're listening to this, then uh, do do let us know. I think we we're, we're going to be based in and around Frankfurt, so that would I think that's a broad enough region for people not to come and hunt us down. But uh, so we're going to be based in and around that region. So let us know if there's any particularly good places that we should be checking out there as a as a final plug. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah. And, and any recommendations? We'll yeah, for food. yeah. That would and we'll try them out um just finally then pad i mean uh, probably moved into any other business territory but uh because i, I know we get asked these questions frequently on, on q a's about kits and uh shares as well we'll, we'll cover those off so home kit as, as i said earlier i'd expect that to come in in the next week i'd be shocked if it wasn't in place for the kaiser schlauten game um less so darmstadt i think that will will likely have another outing of the away kit for that so I'll, I'll push the the one on shares for you because I think a lot of people will have heard Zoe Weber's comments, obviously at the fans forum, which we discussed last week, and where Norwich City are exactly in that. How close do you feel we are now to to getting some white smoke? I suppose on these on these shares, which were allotted back in February. Yeah, well, off the back of what Zoe did talk about at the was it. It was a couple of Mondays previous, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, a fortnight or so ago about the share process. And as you say, Connor, that feels like it's gone into a bit of a holding pattern, certainly publicly from February, I think that general meeting was, which was essentially a vehicle to create 
194,000 off the top of my head shares. Um, I think we'll see, we'll, we'll hear something fairly imminently on that, certainly in the next few weeks. I think I'm, I'm not going to lock, lock anybody in. To, but, but it's been communicated to me that, yeah, they're kind of obviously beholden a little bit and it'll all be explained in due course um, to, to other bodies in terms of the, the legal sort of frameworks within which they're operating as a PLC, which Zoe mapped out. You know, it's almost, they are a PLC, but they, they, for the purposes of what they're trying to do here in terms of, uh, move shares and, and change maybe the shareholding mix. You know, they're treated no differently to a FTSE 100 company is how it's been explained to me. So as a result, there's a lot of regulatory process um, and external elements that they have to sort of touch base with before they were in a position to communicate anything to their shareholders primarily and then obviously the, the fan base more generally. I think they feel they might be in a position to do that in the next few weeks um, and then it will become very clear uh, the path to what they're trying to do um, will be very clear and and at that point we'll we'll probably be able to talk in a little bit more detail about what it looks like and, and what it actually means um, and maybe try and because I think there'll be a lot of legal jargon around what the next step is and, and where the shareholders fall into that uh, process and, and hopefully we'll be able to deconstruct a little bit of that but obviously at the minute I think the club are simply waiting for the green light from the, these uh, regulatory bodies and then they will move to, to, to push this process on. Um, and as we've all spoken about since sort of the, the first announcement about February's allotment shares meeting and the potential destination of those shares, that'll all play out, hopefully, as as the club would like it to and as maybe a lot of fans would like to um, in terms of where those shares will end up being allotted and what that will mean then moving forward in terms of the ownership of the football club. So, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're getting to that period but um until you know until they get the green light then we'll continue to to wait but um i think it will become clear in in very short order and um and then we'll do our best to try and interpret what that means um and uh, and then we'll see what happens in the, in the next stage of the process but yeah just essentially everything we're being told uh, internally sort of chimes with what zoe said to those share, uh, fans sorry uh, and shareholders no doubt who were gathered at the forum a couple of mondays ago that uh, it isn't directly in their gift to move this along at the pace they'd like to. They're having to, to obviously, um, you know, move in lockstep with the the legal uh, bodies who are who are driving this process as a PLC, which is what they are. And um, and, and I think we're probably reaching the point where that will then move on uh, to the next phase. And um, yeah, and then shareholders, fans more generally, will will start to get some answers. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Watch this space on that. And of course, watch this space across the pink and channels as we uh, as we jet out to Germany on Tuesday morning um, and we'll be in our, our German base by certainly Tuesday evening. Um, so uh, we'll be all there and ready in place for the Darmstadt game on Wednesday. Paddy, thank you very much for joining uh, me. Thank you very much for listening as well. Thank you to our sponsors, Cavill Healthcare, who are coming with us on tour uh, this summer. Um, it's brilliant to have what is a, a brilliant local um, care organization on board and as you can see it's been if you're watching the pod on youtube you've been able to see all the details of their various social medias but i'll read it out at uh, cavill health uh, ca1 on twitter or www.cavillhealthcare.co.uk for details on them whether you're looking for a job in care or you're looking for the care of a loved one uh, they're the place to go thank you very much and uh, we will see you very very soon likely from uh, our german base keep it locked we'll see you soon